Beautiful, sunny Burbank, California. The Dream Factory for musicians, television, and film stars. Now, it's home to a new breed of terror. Here, two men have dared unleash an unspeakable horror. On this episode of View the Right Thing, Steve and Wes experience the claustrophobic chills of the depraved. We're going to be walking in places where people haven't been for the last 50 years. Then, it's the story of a series of murders in a small town that experienced the same terror 65 years before. In the town that dreaded sundown. What do you want? Turn around. Do not look back. Nothing can prepare you for what awaits in this episode of View the Right Thing. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hey, welcome back to another episode of View the Right Thing. Yes, welcome to Indiana Jaws. I thought for I thought for half a second that we we were on the same page with I'm that. I'm never going to stop ever. Oh, if you're listening to View the Right Thing, chances are maybe you've listened before. But if you haven't, if this is your first episode of View the Right Thing, uh, a quick overview of what we are is we're sort of like a book club, but with movies. So last week, we drew, well, last episode, two weeks ago, we drew two movies and we told the uh, viewsters, that's you, told you what they are. And you should have gone out and watched those movies. And tonight we are going to discuss those two movies. And then at the end of tonight's episode, we're going to draw two new movies. We're going to tell you what they are. You go watch those two movies. And we'll talk about those two movies with you on the next episode, baby. Yeah, so that way if, you, if you're playing along with us, yeah. uh, you'll, you'll never be spoiled. You'll never have spoilers. Wes, what's another way they can play along with us, these viewsters? Uh, Twitter is a good way to do that. Check us out on Twitter at VR. You no V T R T movies. Yeah, just look up View the Right Thing on Twitter at V T R T movies. At V T R T movies. <clears throat> yeah, kind of rhymes. And so, of course, you're at Movie Hippo. Yeah, I'm at Stephen Nohowood. Mm-hmm. We also have a Facebook page, and we have a Facebook page. and a Patreon page. But you know, Patreon is having some issues right Patreon now. Patreon is having some issues. To the good people at Patreon, we hope that you are all doing okay. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Um, have you been to the movies lately? I, I did go to the movies recently. Um, I went and saw The Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials. Oh, I just finished watching the first Maze Runner on yeah. HBO a couple yeah. of weeks ago. So we watched that. We watched the first one on HBO go. Yeah. And, uh, and then the next day went to the theater. And we took part in the Barco Escape, which we've talked about before. Barco um, Escape. Maybe maybe our first or second episode, we sort of talked about gimmicks. Yeah. And I I mentioned this Barco thing that they did with the last Maze Runner as well, where they put um, two additional screens Whoa. next to the main screen. And they project additional images on the sides. Wow. So, like, if you're on sand dunes, it would be, like, more sand dunes or whatever. That's pretty wild. So you're getting not quite a 360 experience, but about a 180 experience. Yeah. Um, it was not great. Really? To be honest with you. Yeah, I was really excited about it. Um, first of all, not very much of the movie um, featured the screens. Okay. And because the screens are white and they're so close to the other screen, the main screen just reflects off of those screens. So you're getting kind of distracting 
lights and colors on the sides. Oh. And then all of the stuff that they did on the sides was all digitally made. Oh. Sometimes it wasn't the same resolution as the main screen. Oh, gee whiz. So that wasn't good. And um, there are times... So basically, if there's an actor... That should be on that screen. Yeah. They can't just do a digital version. They It looked like they maybe sort of attempted to do some body parts on the other screens, but they couldn't do a full... The special effects weren't good enough for those screens. Oh, that's very weird. Yeah, so um, the camera would like... So you'd have two people on the main screen, and then the camera would move in in between them, okay. which in theory would push the two people onto each of the side screens. Sure. They just disappeared Oh wow! Yeah, there was, a, or like um, they would do a close up of somebody, and their back or their part of their body should be on the screen. It just wasn't there, so it was really this abrupt, hmm. like cut off of. Oh, where did this person's limbs go, or whatever? I don't think I like the sound of that. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It could be really cool. Yeah, they did a, an overly long intro thing uh, beforehand with a lot of go- they used the shot stuff with GoPros. Okay, um, and that looked really really cool. Sure, and that was kind of like this. This could be something. Yeah. Um, but they have to shoot the movie with three cameras. I think right. they would need to build a tr- special tripod with three cameras. The problem then is, you know, do you you know, you use certain lenses for that right. main screen, you know, then all of a sudden you use the other lenses and then would that be distracting? Would it be, would it make sense? Uh, I don't know. So sounds like it's more trouble than it's worth at the moment. It might be. It's, um, it, it just, it, it left a lot to be desired. Also, there's a very clear line in between all of the screens. Oh. It's interesting because a long time ago they did like how the West was one where they had to have three projectors and it was like super, super wide. And it was a curved screen. Like yeah. A Cinerama. Uh, okay. Like true Cinerama style. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's sort kind of what this is um, yeah. to, to some extent. So I don't know. It's just. Uh, huh. But just doesn't. It's they, not. A, it's not 100 percent yet. It, it's not 100 percent. Speaking of not 100 percent. Before we move to your movies. OK. You might have seen. Uh, I do want to mention I apologize for my voice. I think it sounds my stuff rich stuffiness. and sexy. Oh. Um, I'm a little bit under the weather, but I, I'm. I'm totally committed to our Vistas, so I wanted to make sure we got this uh, recording done in time before I really went downhill with this illness. I'm going to start calling you Barry Weitzenhofer. Oh, yeah, all the ladies. My darling, I probably shouldn't sing much more of this song on a podcast. Um, oh, yeah, I, I and I, I appreciate you toughing it out. We're recording this one late night. We're calling this mm. View the Right Thing After Dark. After and it's kind of appropriate because we watched two scary movies mm-hmm. this time. But first, I finally went to see Black Mass. I have not seen it yet. The story of James Whitey Bulger and his uh, nefarious dealings in and among the Boston underworld, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, as you probably so. know, uh, The Departed was loosely based on the, on the story of James Whitey Bulger as well. Um, however, The Departed was also originally based on a uh, movie out of Hong Kong. Yeah. So, you know. Infernal Affairs. Infernal Affairs, which I saw about six months before I saw The Departed. You know, there's a sequel to Infernal Affairs. Is there? Mm-hmm. What's it called? Infernal Affairs 2. Oh. I'm pretty sure. Sort of like that monster song. I opened um, my mouth. That could just be my illness talking. Let me look it up. You've got you? the cold crazies. Um, where the heck were we? Oh, so I saw Black Mass, and it's pretty darn good. It does, um, it, there is an Infernal Affairs too. It came out the, the next year. 
Oh, wow. Infernal Affairs. They're cranking out those Infernal Affairs over there. Uh, did I talk about Everest and Sicario last Mm-mm. time? Oh, Mm-mm. okay. So I've also seen Everest uh, based on the story of Everest. Did you see it in 3D? I did see it in 3D. Was I saw it, cool? it at the WGA in 3D. It was intense. I am afraid of heights. Yeah. There were a lot of shots in that movie that had me wanting to jump out of my own skin. That's great. Um, it's a very terrifying concept, just the idea of climbing Everest, because they talk mm-hmm. about how at a certain altitude you literally start to die. Your body is literally shutting down because you're getting so little oxygen. And so these guys go up there once a year and try to make it to the summit every time. Um, I found out a pretty weird tidbit, mm-hmm. uh, which is that the uh, a while ago I had a um, a radio show, had a real nice couple of guests on there one of those guests is dating the son of one of the characters in everest hmm. how wild is that which uh which actor i will i'll tell you off the air oh, okay. you know i don't feel like you're in no dirty laundry although the movie kind of does itself like there's literally a scene at the end this isn't a plot spoiler at all but there's a scene at the end where it's like showing the real life characters and telling mm. what happened to them after that day on everest right and um it shows, uh, you know, many of these men were fathers. Yeah. And so one of these men in particular was the father of a baby. Mm-hmm. And it shows the little baby. And then it shows the real life girl who's now about 19. And I was like, that's a little strange to be like, don't worry. Uh, that guy's daughter grew up to be pretty foxy. Like, well, <laughs> I don't think we need to see her at 19. Sure. You know, it seems strange. I imagine they probably got her to green light it. Yeah. But it's. I don't know. It felt like an invasion of privacy. Fortunately, it was the very end of the movie. I also saw Grandma. I got a screener for Grandma starring little Lily Tomlin, not Little Tomlin. I don't know. I don't, I don't know um, the movie. Um, Grandma, it's got Lily Tomlin, Sam Elliott. Who else? Nat, um, Nat Wolf and uh, Marsha Gay Harden, just to name a few. Yeah. Uh, gosh, Judy Greer is in it. She's great. Everybody's great in it. Yeah. Um, but it's the story of a young girl who... Uh, finds out she's pregnant. She comes to her grandma to hopefully borrow money for an abortion. Grandma's broke. And so they go on a little adventure to try to figure out exactly what they should do. It's a cute little movie. Had a moment at the end that kind of really stepped on everything for me. Yeah. And it was really just this, this little bit of ADR. And it just seemed so out of place that it just kind of... It didn't ruin the movie, but it just sort of like... If the movie were a grandma walking down the street, it just kind of shoved that grandma away from traffic, but still shoved a grandma. That's how I felt. And then Sicario, starring Benicio Del Toro, Josh Brolin. Emily Blunt, right? Emily Blunt. Yeah. Who else is in that? Um, Bunches of people. Well, not bunches and bunches, but those three for sure. Uh, That movie is intense. Uh, You remember Traffic with Michael Douglas, Mm -hmm. also Benicio Del Toro. Not a huge fan of that movie, by the way. Oh, I loved Traffic. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Sicario, very similar themes, you know, talking about our DEA versus the Mexican cartels. Sicario makes Traffic look like Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Wow. It is so intense. It is so brutal. It's a waking nightmare. But Emily Blunt, I tell you. She's aces with me. I hope they cast her as Captain Marvel. Dude, that'd be pretty wild. Mm. Pretty wild indeed. I'm itching my ear because my ear itches. You know, it dawned on me that I didn't actually tell you what I thought of Scorch Trials. I told you about the Barco escape. Um, I thought the first movie was better. Okay. The first movie is kind of interesting, like kind of a Lord of the Fliesy kind of thing going on there. 
Um, this movie was all over the place. It really? just like it, it didn't. It was like you know, it had elements from the first movie, and then it had sort of a, a horror oh. kind of theme running through it. I don't want to say those griever things. No, I, I don't want to say what it was because I don't want to. I don't want to kill the movie for anyone. But Fair um, but yeah, that, for a lot of the movie, there's sort of this horror chase thing going on. Um, you're pointing at me. Don't tell me on the air. Yeah. But do they reveal what they mean in the first movie when they keep saying, remember, wicked is good? Yes. They do reveal that? Okay. Well, that's all I, I mean, yeah, know. kind of. Okay. That's still, that's all I want to yeah. know. Yeah. Um, because um, that's driving me crazy. Yeah, they do. Um, the, the movie wasn't terrible or anything. Okay. Um, it was kind of a fun a fun jaunt. I think I would have enjoyed it more if there, if we weren't doing the Barco escape. Yeah. I think if I just saw it just straight up, I wouldn't have been so distracted and I would have enjoyed the film more, but yeah, it just, it was a little bit all over the place. It's funny because this movie isn't even like, it doesn't even try to be hunger games. It's just trying to be divergent. You know, it's like, yeah, which I, I, I I like divergent in its own rights, but like nothing is the hunger games. The hunger games is the hunger games. So, you know, I'm not going to comment on any of what you just yeah. said, other than those yeah. movies have been very successful, and I salute them. Are, are you not a Hunger Games fan? Success. I like the Hunger Games. It's all right. I've, 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 no, maybe I've only been to see the first two. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence is in those movies. Uh, Liam Hemsworth is in those movies. So I it's like, like him a lot. Those movies could be atrocious, mm-hmm. but with Jennifer Lawrence in it, I am still going to give it a shot. I mean, Woody Harrelson, Elizabeth Banks. That's all fine and good. Donald Sutherland. Those are all good. Jennifer all Lawrence. good actors. All right. Fair enough. Talking about Majela. Um, a lot of Academy Award nominated actors in those Hunger Games. Yeah, that's true. Sutherland. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Ooh. Do you want to play one degree of uh, Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials? Okay. Which one of us in this room was in a movie... With Dylan. I don't know who Dylan is. Dylan, the lead from Maze Runner, The oh, Scorch Trials. Okay, I'm guessing it's you because it wasn't me. That's right. What, what, what he started in a movie, High Road, directed by UCB's Matt Walsh. And you were in Good that. old Matt Walsh put me in that movie. Nice, nice. It's well, a fun movie. Watch it. High Road. Should we get to these scary movies? Yeah, happy October, everyone. Do you like scary movies? That was okay. I didn't I didn't have a voice modulator yeah, there, a, but maybe it sounded a like dated that guy. And, um, feeble attempt at that. Do you like scary movies? That's probably worse. I think it's like a little bit more like. Well, he has a voice modulator. Well, I know, but it's also like a little bit more um, gravelly or something, huh? Don't you think? I think I think you've just got '90s ear. No way, man! It was like, nah, I'm not gonna do it. But yeah, <laughs> he he definitely had a gravelly thing going on there. Do you- a gravelly 90s year. Um, we didn't watch Scream. No. What was the first movie we watched? It was a movie called The Depraved. The Depraved. Overseas, it was called Urban Explorer. I don't know why they didn't... Maybe they didn't think that name would do very well here. Um, now, overseas, was it called Urban Explorer, but the German translation of that? I'm sure it was it in German and other languages. So over yeah. here, it might be... The Depraven? I don't know. I, I don't think if you German. type in Urban Explorer on IMDb, it comes up. Oh, snap. So, but it but it was The Depraved and all. It was a pretty much direct-to-video release. It, it did some festivals. I actually saw it at the L.A. Scream Fest, where it oh, won cool. Best Picture. Who, uh... Um, ooh, I had went, a yawn attack. Whoa, hey now. 
Who stars in this movie? Uh, My good friend Nick Eversman stars in this movie. Oh, yeah. I like Nick. He's a good dude. He's a swell guy, and he always makes me think of Disneyland, because that's the first place I ever met him. And he's a pretty uh, new father. That's true. Congratulations to Nick. Congrats, Nick. I'm glad you made it out of that uh, depraved storyline and are now a dad, because that movie's horrifying. Well, spoiler alert. What? He doesn't make it out of that movie. Oh, well, why'd you say that now? Well, you know. I had the audience going for a minute. Well, I, the, hopefully they've, they've watched it. So, well, yeah. So we have this movie that is about four international travelers. Sure. Um, three girls and one guy. And it seems and like... Then, and then a, their tour guide as well. And the tour guide. Um, and it seems like um, the there's a couple. Yeah. A, a guy and a girl. Right. And then, um, so the, the, the girl is hot, is hot. Is that what you said? Oh, she's gorgeous. Uh, Lucia, Lucia. And her boyfriend is Dennis. Dennis. And then there's two others. There's a a Korean, uh, backpacker named Juna. And there's a French tourist named Marie. Marie. And Dennis from Cabin Fever. Remember? Mm-hmm. Dennis, right? Yep. So Dennis, Lucia, or possibly Lucia. Sure. Marie and... Juna. Juna are all going to do what? They're going to go urban exploring. <gasps> if you don't know what urban exploring is... It sounds it's... painless. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, typically, I believe, underground exploring underneath cities. So oh, you're... You're going through like catacombs and sewers and mm. you know, yeah, buried stuff. I'm making this face because I have to sneeze. Oh, I thought you were making the face because it sounded terrible. No, yeah, well, a little, but so they meet up. They meet up with a uh, a guide who's going to take them urban exploring named Chris, and they meet up um, in this like parking lot. And Dennis and Lucia are uh, having their cute little couple moment. They introduce themselves as nicknames. They do introduce. They do all have nicknames. Um, but before we get to the names, so uh, Dennis and Lucia are having this little conversation, and they've been playing this game where they're trying to get the other person to say "I love you." Oh, right, right. Um, and then uh, the the other two girls show up, and then Chris shows up in his car and pulls out his backpack and stuff, and he meets them, and um, and Dennis comes up and he says, "I'm Micker, Mickey, yeah, and this is Mallory." And the guys like, "Ha ha, natural born killers." That's that true. Movie. Natural Born Killers, which was an Oliver Stone movie mm-hmm. that uh, I sat through too many times as a teenager. Yeah. So uh, they paid him to take them somewhere extra special. Yeah. So which city are they in? They're in Berlin. Berlin. And so Germany. In, in order to get to where they're going, they have to go through like this like nightclub-y rave thing that's going on. Which seems weird. It's a little weird. Why Why would you have to go through the club? Yeah, because, I don't know, they probably needed, like, oh, we got to show more actors than just this. Maybe that's why. Okay. So they go through the club. They go out a back door. They go down into a basement. And there's, a, a, a like, a hatch on yeah. the ground. It's got a lock. And Chris is like, I'll be right back. He goes and gets the key. And he opens it. And they're like, what's up? Where are we going? And he's like, well, you paid for something special. Um, I'm going to take you. There's this... Um, Bunker, yeah. called the Farah Bunker. 
The Farah Bunker. And they were like, the Fuhrer Bunker? And he's like, no, the Farah Bunker. <gasps> and this was a place where they took, like, the Nazis would take their children. And it was like a an escape bunker, essentially. For the Nazis to escape. For the Nazis to escape into and be safe. Wow. And uh, he tells them that they've walled off the Farah Bunker because they don't want neo-Nazis and riffraff to get there. So he brings along, um, like, pick hammers. Yeah. So that way they can break through the wall. And they're like, you've never been there before? And he's like, yeah, you wanted something special. So, um... I'm gonna get there. Down they descend. Ooh. And, uh, they start making their way through. They're creeping and, along. Yep. And the French girl, Marie... Yes. Um... Is beautiful. She has a camera with her. She's like a shutter bug. Right. And so she's taking pictures of things and... As she's she you know she's snapping 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 she kind of wanders away from the group a little bit snap 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 bad move Marie then she goes and looks at her photos and she sees there's somebody in one of the photos <gasps> and there's these two uh, kind of burly German dudes with a <laughs> nasty dog um, and uh, they let the dog loose right and uh, someone kicks that dog right I think uh, I think Juno hits it with a bo- board. And the dog goes flying oh, okay. into Somebody the wall. Hits it with a board. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. It might be Juna. Poor dog. The 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 Korean girl comes to the rescue, and uh, um, and then they have this like sort of showdown with these two guys who seem like they're going to maybe do, cause do them trouble. Harm. Yeah. <clears throat> and so she she goes through and deletes the photos, and you know it's deleted, it's deleted, it's deleted. And so the guys leave. Right. And they continue on their way. Are they being followed by those guys? I don't know. I don't know either because. They have to go through a weird underground swampy thing. Yeah, they go through, and they're like, there's eels in here. Yeah. They they were like, do we really have to wear waders? And he's like, well, if you want the eels to not rub up against you, yeah. Here's my question about that. Yeah. I may have glanced away from the screen. Okay. The tour guide yep. had Chris. a backpack on mm-hmm. that definitely was not packed full. Right. Did he pull five sets of waders out of his little backpack? He may have had one unwrapped, and he may have had four brand new ones still vacuum sealed for all we... I'm just saying, look, I don't know. But did he pull them out of the backpack, or did he have them stashed there? I think I he pulled them out of the backpack. I think they implied they pulled them out of the backpack. I don't know if you could fit more than one pair of waders, let alone yeah. five. Does it really? It, it, did it really bother you? It did, because like, the whole time he's walking, the backpack never looks full at all. It sure. looks pretty darn empty. Yeah, and he, he pulls out like a, like a torch and a like, yeah. a, like a butane torch, like a the little pick, camping stove. And the, the pick. The pick axes. Hammer and, axe. Yeah. And it's like, maybe fill that backpack with some newspaper to make it look like it's busting with items. Sure, sure. That irked me just <laughs> a scotch. But hey, I'm not in the movie, and I probably never will be. Yeah. Um, so they make their way through and mucky, gross water. Do they go across the gap before the piano? I think they must. Yeah. So they, they encounter this sort of window area and they bust out the window and there's a gap and they need to get across the gap. So they take a metal, not even quite a beam, just like a thing of metal. Yeah. It almost looks like a highway guardrail because it's got kind of two grooves in it. Yeah. Um, and they put that across, and then they balance themselves and, and go across. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then they end up in this room where there's a piano, and they're like, you know. How the heck would a piano be Yeah, here? How, would, how would a piano get here? Um, and, and he makes them coffee, and they warm up with the coffee. And he tells a story 
about the the piano and who might have put it there and they sort of imply like aliens or something there was like a group of people that like believed in some yeah i'm trying to remember the exact i can't remember the name of that he wove the name of the people but yeah it's uh are you sure he wasn't talking about aryans and not aliens no no he was definitely saying aliens okay um so anyways so they continue on they they get to a brick wall they bust it open and they go in and there's all sorts of things to take pictures of inside the Farah bunker. Yeah, there's all these weird like paintings on the wall. Yeah, so when I went to the um, the screening, the director was there and I asked about the the um, the murals and stuff yeah. that were painted, and they actually to make this movie did real urban exploring. So right. the stuff that they're doing, I mean, I'm sure they scouted each location before they went in there. I would hope but so. They, they physically went down under the city to do to film this movie, and he said that um, most of the things that you see in that scene were actually there. Oh they, God, they existed. So even those um, paintings, I think he said all the murals were were existing. That's crazy. Yeah, should I explain what was in the paintings? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so at first glance, in the paintings, <coughs> what I thought I was seeing was like Nazi troopers with strange wings, but then I realized what it is is. They were paintings of Nazi troopers holding their arms out, sort of in like a, a Sieg Heil kind of move, but uh-huh. they had these big pointy shields on them. Mm-hmm. And then crouched under those shields were little Nazi women and children first. Farmers and, and farmers and stuff. So it was like, look, the Nazis are going to protect you, right. Deutschland. Uh, just hide under our big, scary black shields while we wear gas masks and Darth mm-hmm. Vader helmets. And that's a quote from Hitler himself. A lot of people <laughs> don't remember when he said that. Um, but yeah, the paintings were pretty intense and uh, not necessarily scary, but just sort of like, wow, if that was really down there under the city, that's uh, that's weird. So who, they, who took the time to paint those, you know what I mean? Right. So they made it. They made it to the Farah Bunker. Yeah. Movie is over. Credits rolled. It was pretty, oh, yeah. pretty short and exciting. Yeah, and then uh, didn't they eat a sandwich when they were down there? Wait a second. Wasn't there a scene shortly after the Farah bunker? Sure, there was. They decided to go back. Yeah. And they got to cross that gap again. And Then one of the stupidest things ever happened. Yeah, so Marie yeah. is the next to last to go across, and Chris is on his way across, and he's looking down, watching his footing, and she turns around with her camera, and she's like, Hey, Chris, and he looks up and she she takes a picture and it flashes and he loses his balance and falls down the chasm, down the down the shaft of whatever it is. I almost think at that point somebody should have just shoved Marie right off the edge, too. Right. Never take a picture of somebody when they're walking across a tiny balance beam in a dark cavern. Yep. Ever. So um, they go down. Dennis goes down to uh, on check rope, on him on a goodness. rope. Yeah, he, he gets a rope and he goes down on the rope and he rips open um, Chris's jeans and we see that he's got a compound fracture. A compound fracture? Um, and uh, and he tells... Tyler Maine? No, not starting Tyler Maine. Oh. So he tells Lucia that she needs to come down because she's a nurse. Oh, yeah. And she can take care of him. So she comes down and Juna and Marie are going to go get help. Right. So... She's like, this is really bad. We really got to get him out of here. They're waiting for a little bit. And all of a sudden, they hear some noise up top. And it's much too soon for Juna and Marie to be back. Right. And also, as Juna and Marie run away, don't we see a, a shot of them 
sort of coming up into some room and they're kind of disoriented and one of them is like something's different like this isn't the same as it was last time mm, mm-hmm. and then like we that. don't see them again for a while for a while so um so somebody starts to come down right and so they there's a like a, a wardrobe or a bureau of some kind down there yeah and no uh, idea how it would have gotten there yeah but it was there there it was. So they hide it. Uh, Dennis and Lucia hide in that. And this this figure comes down and is shuffling around and then rips open the door. Ooh. And there's this, this guy. Uh, and his name is Armin. Um, and he's played by Klaus Stiglmeier. Who is terrifying. Yeah, he's great in this movie. I thought he was a lot of fun. A lot of people thought he was a little over the top. Well, but I thought it worked for the character. I think it worked just fine for the character. Yeah. But it was also... Terrifying. Yeah. And apparently the guy is super intense in real life. Really? Yeah. So. <clears throat> he made me want to just cry. Yeah. So he um, he only speaks German. And yeah. Dennis can speak German a little bit. Uh, as can the actor, Nick Eversman. Oh, yeah. And. Uh, Nick, if you're listening, call in, speak some German to us. Yeah. So he um, he's like, hey, I've got, I, I live down here in this bunker. And I've got supplies. Here's the stretcher. Let's get this guy out of here. Right. So they get Chris out and they take him back to the bunker. Oh. And he's like, I've got a phone. I've got some medical supplies. I'll call somebody to come get you right away. Yeah. And they're like, cool. And he's like, hey, I've got a pot of soup boiling. Are you hungry? Yeah, the bunker's kind of nice. Yeah, they're like, heck yeah, we're hungry. So they sit down and he makes them bowls of food. And then begins a um, conversation between Dennis and Armin in German. And Lucia doesn't really know what's going on. Um, Let me warn you now. If you rent this film on Amazon Prime. Right. Amazon Instant Aware. We had a bit of a problem with that. um, It's not free, so you got to pay for it. And there are no subtitles for the German. A very long scene in German. Yeah. No subtitles. Yeah, it's like five or ten minutes. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and so you can kind of get what's going on. I kind of explained to, to Steve what was happening. Um, we went back because it turns out uh, if you have Showtime, you can watch it on demand. So we oh, watched sweet. it on demand. Um, we, we went back and looked at that scene again um, after I found that out. So... Um, so anyways, they have this conversation about how he was a border patrol. Yes. Back when, uh, when Germany was divided and, um, and he talked about how, you know, he served on the border and he also served in Afghanistan and he talks about the weapons that were used and the machine guns and he does does this really cool thing that's really intense. He does that forever. Yeah. And, uh, and the Lucia yes. is like, oh, kind of offhandedly, oh, you think he ever had to kill anybody on the border? And he's like, what did she just say? Yeah. And Dennis is like, oh, it's nothing. He's like, All right, you know, don't mess with me, boy. You know, what did she say? And he's like, oh, she wondered if you ever sh- had to shoot anybody. And, and he basically tells him, yes. We, oh, God, we, why? We, we did. Um. And uh, and he says there were things that were done to people that were much worse. Like if you were captured, it was especially bad because a pretty boy like yourself, oh, no. they would dress you up in women's clothes and then oh. they would have their way with you. Um, 
deliverance and, style. And then when they're done having their way with you, they would take your shirt off. Ooh, what does and, that mean? And he was like, sure. What do you mean, sure? And he's like, they take the knife <gasps> and they insert it around the waist and cut along the skin and then pull your skin up over your head. Gross. And it makes you look like you're wearing dirty laundry. That's so that's so disgusting. Yeah, it's pretty gross, the, the idea. So, um, anyways, he's like, you want more soup? And Dennis is like, heck yeah, I'll have some more soup. And so he gives him more soup. And, and he's like, hey, you know, he's made a phone call. Right. Also, we saw a phone call happen. He says people are coming down to give him a hand. Yep. And so uh, he goes off to administer some drugs and take care of some things with Chris. Yeah. And he's in the hallway. And Lucy and Dennis is like, you shouldn't have asked him that. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, the border, you know, shooting somebody at the border, you know, border casualty. Yeah. And he's like, never mind. So he goes to go talk to Armin in the hallway and Armin whips around and stabs him in the neck with a syringe, knocking him unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. He's almost too good with that syringe. Yeah, man. That was dead on aim. Just zoom. Whip around. Syringe in the neck. <clears throat> Nick's out. Yep. So, uh, boy, this is, it's getting a little fuzzy for me now. It's getting okay. toasty in here. It is getting toasty in here. I'm starting to... You'd think it was October uh, 2nd or something. Um, so, so, he wakes up. Nick, Dennis does. Dennis. Played by Nick Eversman. Mm-hmm. Wakes up in a bed and he's handcuffed <gasps> to, or chained to a bed. Yeah, a cot. And uh, to like a, a metal a pole met- holding the cot up. Yeah, the metal leg of the cot. And he gets a, he gets one of the bolts out. Right. And he takes kind of takes it apart and he gets just the piece that he's attached to and takes that with him. Which seems like it'd be a great weapon. It would be a great weapon. Never uses it as a weapon in the movie. He does eventually. Does he use his weapon? Finally, at one point, he uses it as oh, a weapon. Oh, after the guy's already down. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't use it as an initial weapon. And he really should have. Yeah. He would have saved himself a lot of time and blood. <coughs> um, Sorry, excuse me. Should I, t- should I say what he finds when he escapes from his bed? Uh, well, he finds a few things, right? He goes to the phone. Yeah. That's one of the first things he does. When he picks up the phone, he finds that there's no cord attaching the phone to the box. Oh, God. Um, then what does he find? Then does he find out what's in the soup? Yeah, he goes into the like storage area, like uh, butcher closet. Mm. Yeah, what's in the soup? Probably Marie and Juna. Yeah, we see Juna's head Ugh. for sure and what maybe uh, Marie is hanging from... Yeah. Some hooks or something. It's so gross. <clears throat> and he and he vomits so he gross. vomits Juna and Marie up. I sure would. Yeah. No offense, ladies. Sorry I ate you, and I'm sorry I'm vomiting you. Um and he hears the screaming. Yeah. Down the hall. He's not sure what to do. Oh god. So um he is torn between leaving and going to get help and rescuing his girlfriend Lucia. And he finds he goes he grabs a fork at some point. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's before the gun. He's got a big piece of metal chained to his left hand, but he grabs he a grabs kitchen a, fork, a fork, so a salad fork. He starts pulling uh, pulling things down. Yeah, to get uh, like the, shelves to, to get his attention to get Armin's attention. Yeah. Armin has got poor Lucia. He's or cutting Lucia. her ear. Like he's gonna cut her ear off. Yeah, and he's got her. He's got her strapped into some kind of torture chair. There's a lot of yeah. 
dried blood at the foot of the chair. If you've seen the uh, poster on the uh, Facebook page, where I put up all the our Hall of Fame. I put up all of our posters okay. of the movies that we watch, and her in that chair is on that poster. Oh, sweet Lucia or Lucia. Um, so <laughs> he pulls down these, these big shelving unit things, and Armin stops torturing Lucia. Yeah, and uh, and he comes out to investigate, and um, Dennis is hiding in this like kind of closet area. He's really good at finding small closets to hide in. Yeah, and he takes a rock, and so when Armin starts to come into that room, he flicks the rock. Armin looks the other way, and he stabs Armin in the face with the fork. Right, runs out, closes the door, and puts the fork in the door. Puts the fork in the door to like lock it. Yeah. It doesn't last for very long. No. Meanwhile, <clears throat> he's still got a big piece of metal yep. chained to his hand. So he goes to get Lucia, and um, and he hears Armin coming. He can't get her out in time. Yeah. And he, he grabs a gun that's in, like, a desk. He finds a an gun. Open desk. Is it a Luger, I think? Yeah, it's some, some Germany. Uh, One of those stereotypical kinda. German handguns. Yep. And... Uh, and when Armin comes in, they have this like little showdown, and he shoots Armin, and Armin falls down. <sighs> and then he goes over and finally uses the piece of metal. Finally starts beating Armin with the piece of metal. I have to say, not very effectively. Not very effectively. What he should have done was when he first saw Armin in that room, torturing Lucia, was sneak into the room behind Armin and start clubbing him to death with the piece of metal right, right away. Right. Um, but I didn't write the movie. So Klaus... You're Klaus. I don't know why he called him Klaus. Klaus. Armin. Klaus von Bülow. Who's Klaus? Man, my brain is... Uh, well, I mean, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, characters in Germany. There was sure. probably... I bet there was a Klaus on set. And yeah, I bet he was maybe. a nice guy. So uh, so, so Armin's unconscious. Dennis goes and, and unstraps Lucia. Yeah. And they start to leave. And then they hear Armin get up and he's like... <gasps> chasing after them and they're hiding and it's like a little cat and mouse thing and then they find this pit yeah and there seems to be uh, she falls into the pit and he like he like grabs onto her or something or she yeah and then there's a ledge he's like i can't pull you up if i pull you up he's gonna see us but you can hide down there there's a little bit of a ledge i'm gonna set you down the ledge i'm gonna go hide and i'll get help and come back and so he sets her down, and she finds, like, a little hole in the right. side of the, the earth. And she hides in that hole, and Dennis hides, and he goes a different way. And Dennis tries to escape. Boy, does he. Dennis gets caught. Oh, man. And, uh, and Armin beats him up a little bit, and then he takes that a gun, mm-hmm. and he shoots... Dennis's foot uh, and his toes explode, oh, and it's pretty so gross. gross. It's so gross. And Dennis is like drooling, and he's like, bah, bah, bah. Uh, and he and he's kind of out of it. And uh, Armin picks him up and sits him on top of a uh, like a tool bench or something, and he takes his knife out, and rips <gasps> the guy's shirt off, takes his knife out, and he proceeds to shirt him, oh, and it gross. is. Tough to watch. It's so gross. I wasn't even looking straight at the screen, and it was still gross. Yeah. And so then Dennis falls on the ground with most of his skin up around his arms. <sighs> and uh, and Klaus is about to leave, and he sees Dennis just kind of writhing on the ground and dying. And he grabs a box of salt. Oh, yeah, that's right. And oh, he decides gosh. to salt him. 
He's been assaulted. You can say that again. Um, so back in the hole, um, Lucia is like digging around trying to get further into the hole, and uh, she hears something. And they made a, a note early in the, or a little bit earlier that, hey, we can't be too far from a subway because right. we could we could hear the trains, the the rumbling. We felt rumbling, and that's got to be the subway trains. Yes. So she starts to kind of dig further, and she realizes she there's rumbling, and it's the subway. She keeps digging through and comes out through the other side into a subway tunnel. Booyah! And Sounds she, pretty safe to me. Yeah, and she gets up on uh, the platform, and she's like freaking out, and she doesn't know what to do, and she's like hurt and bloody and kind of crawling terrified she's seen a lot of horrible <clears throat> stuff in the last hour and this guy comes down and he's like oh do you need help let me help you and it's like all is good and he goes over to the uh um some sort of call box call, right? police call box yeah, yeah for an emergency and just as he's about to push the button he, he gets killed by armin armin's up there he's always right there armin drags he's the a, body away he's a 70 year old man but somehow he's the fastest thing on the planet yeah um, Armin drags the body away and takes the guy's clothes. When she sees him, she gets on the, or no, she doesn't see him. She's a, she, she sees the blood right. from the guy and she freaks out. So she gets on the next train and there's people on the train. Yeah. And as the doors close and the train starts to move, you think, okay, she's good to go. And then all of a sudden, as the train's going, the person sitting kind of in front of her turns around and it's Armin. Oh man. With his terrifying face and, and she starts greasy hair. flipping out and saying he's going to kill me and all this stuff and he uh shows uh some type of like badge or something yeah and he's like i'm with you know the metro and i need to see your tickets and she doesn't have a ticket and he's like you're gonna have to come with me and right. she's like no he's trying to kill me and the people are like no 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 he's not gonna kill you yep. you don't have a ticket so he gets her off the train he pulls her off the train and when he forcibly Picks her up and pulls her off the train. That's when one of the passengers realized something is wrong here. Right. But the train then goes away. It's too late. <clears throat> it's too late. Good she, time, Johnny. She squirms away, gets down into the uh, the subway tunnel, yeah. tries to run away, and he gets down there, and he murders Lucia. Snaps her neck with his hands. Well, he puts a gun to her head, and she's praying. Yeah, yeah. She's like, please, God, please get me out of this. And he pulls the trigger, and the gun doesn't shoot doesn't her. He pulls over, yeah. it again, and it doesn't shoot her. I think he even does it a third time, and Maybe. she's still praying, and she's like, oh, thank you, God. And he snaps her neck, her yeah. sweet, sweet neck. Now, meanwhile, back in the bunker, Chris comes, too. Oh, my gosh. Chris, who has the compound fracture? Yeah, and he's in the uh, dead body room, <sighs> the discarded dead body pieces room. Gross. <clears throat> and uh, he painfully and slowly pulls his way out of that room, into the hallway, finds a grate in the floor, Goes through the grate in the floor, which drops him down into a sewer, which can't be good for your open yeah. wound. Yeah. And uh, and he he gets washed away. And uh, and then Armin, you know, goes back to his... Armin cleans up all the blood in yeah. the subway and goes back to his thing. And, uh, and the very last thing we see are some kids playing outside during the next day. And they come across the culvert and they see Chris's body. Yeah. Um, maybe alive? Certainly uh, waterlogged. Yeah. Sewage logged. Yeah, laying at the bottom of the thing. And that is the Depraved. This is the fastest the depraved. movie telling we've had yet. It's a pretty straightforward movie. Yeah, there's know? not a lot of there's not a lot of subtext. There's not a lot of like, yeah, it's like fancy the, art 
in it. It's, the story starts here and it goes there. Yeah, and it's, you know, like I said, some people find it a little over the top. The characters are a little like, um, <clears throat> oh, there's the whole thing with the I love you game. So when he leaves her, when he leaves Lucia in the hole, yes. he leaves and then he comes back and he's like, I love you. He's like, you win. I love you. Oh. Um, so there's a lot, you know, a lot of things like that that's like kind of obvious that you know they're coming. Mm. Um, it's a little, it's a little see through this plot. You mm. know, Armin's a bad guy when when he gets them. It's pretty easy to assume. He looks like a crazy hobo. He looks like he ate a crazy hobo. Right. He probably did. Probably. Um, uh, so that was the depraved. It is depraved. Um, did you like the movie? I mean, you know, it's a thrilling watch. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed uh, Lucia. Huh. She's, you know, she's a knockout. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's some When Nick's foot explodes, I mean, that's pretty unexpected. That's horrifying. There's so much horrifying gore But it's not till, the, till, like, the last half of the movie. That's true. The first half of the movie is about them exploring and kind of talking and for you to kind of get to know who the characters are and yeah. maybe form some type of attachment. Um, the to, downside is I didn't really, f- uh, other than the fact that my friend was in it, I didn't really form much of an attachment mm, to the characters. I was uh, pretty attached to Lucia, but sure. then, uh, boy, did I get mad at Marie when she took that photo of Chris and made him fall yeah. to his almost death. Yeah. Just come on, that's what I have to say. Yeah, but you know, I <sighs> I liked the movie. I put it in the bucket because it's one that I think like you, people should check out. It's um, a cheap rental, or if you got, like I said, if you got the Showtime Anywhere app or whatever, Booyah. you can watch it that way. Um, so I, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's worth. I mean, there's a lot of like really bad horror movies out there, and this yeah. I would not qualify as a bad horror film. No, um, but it could be better. It could be better. It's just a little, but, ob- it's just a little obvious in its execution. Yeah, but man, Lucia, boy, you're really stuck on Lucia. What's the, uh, what's the phrase I, I don't know why don't you turn me Lucia never mind that was a lover boy reference hey <coughs> should I start talking about the town that dreaded sundown well, I want to know if there was a coffee countdown for the last movie uh definitely not nope. um it was not a terribly long movie it was terribly exciting and and nerve-wracking yep. and uh disgusting and what have <clears throat> you so I did not uh, doze off I don't think but I forgot to bring my notes. Uh, I forgot to bring my notebook with me to watch it, yeah. so I didn't take any notes. But it was also very easy to remember sure. everything that happened. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I was awake the whole time, All awake right. and praying that Lucia made it out alive, as was she. Uh, so yeah, coffee countdown zero minutes. I stayed awake the whole time. So nice. thumbs up for that for sure. Nice. Um, so we got the town that dreaded. So now can I can I give my uh, my little. Um, Fun fact about me and this film? Of course. So, we're recording this in October. It's coming out in October. Right. This, this podcast episode. Um, I have been in Los Angeles for about five and a half years. Okay. Five years ago, Ooh. at this time, this very moment, um, I was in Northern California working on my first ever feature film. What was it called? It was called, uh, well, at the time it was called Lawless. Lawless. And then it got changed to Deep Dark Canyon. And it's kind of the 70s gritty crime chase film. 
All right. Um, and uh, it's funny because I was doing a movie night on this very night. I looked at my time hop. I was doing a movie night um, on this very night what? five years ago um, with one Nick Eversman. I met Star Nick, of the Depraved. Yeah, I met Nick um, on that movie. And um, his co-star in that film, who I also met, you know, played miniature golf with and whatnot, yeah. was uh, Spencer Treat Clark, who most people know from Gladiator and Unbreakable. Um, and interestingly, five years ago, I was working on that with those two guys. Yeah. Tonight, we're recording this podcast. The first movie starred Nick Eversman. The second stars? Spencer Treat Clark. What a coincidence. That was not planned. I didn't realize it because I didn't even know Spencer was in... The town that dreaded sundown until it started. I was like, is that Spencer? We're getting a lot of weird coincidences <clears throat> with our movies each week. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Very strange. They're meant to be, I, I think. Mm, yeah, maybe. I can't I can't disprove it, that's for damn sure. Alright. Why don't you why don't you launch us into this? Alright. Well, the town that dreaded sundown starts roughly seventy years ago. Uh, it starts in 1946 mm-hmm. in a little town called Texarkana, which is a town that straddles the border of Texas and Arkansas. Yep. Texarkana, one town, two states. Mm-hmm. In 1946, a guy started murdering people, yep. and they referred to him as the Phantom. Sometimes he's also referred to as, I think, the Moonlight Murderer, or something mm-hmm. like that. They reference him in Seven Psychopaths. Um I have a question about him. Okay. He wears uh, a cloth kind of a, sack over kind of his a head. Pillow, a pillowcase yeah. with eyes cut How do they know that, was there ever somebody, did somebody live through it and say this is what he wears? Like, somebody must have. How did they know? I really don't know for sure. Right? I think in the first movie, here's what also you need to know. So these events took place in 1946. Then in 1976... Somebody went and made a movie about the events of 1946. For reals. Called The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Yes. Now in 2014, people came along and made another movie called The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Mm -hmm. And it is about the year 2013, having been in that town since that movie came out and how that movie coming out has kind of plagued the town with phantom fever every halloween and how you know uh at one point the town was just like oh yeah sure some guy killed some people a few years ago you know it's in the past and since the movie came out in the 70s the town is basically continually haunted almost celebrates it almost celebrates this phantom murderer from 1946 we're talking about you know uh, somebody references it like 60 some years ago so to be really clear that's all part of the plot. The, that's the all, movie from the seventies and the movie from the current the, movie are all part of this plot. Yes. However, there really was a movie in the seventies that they show the poster for and they show clips from right. throughout this film. You can go and watch that original film. Right. So both movies have the same title. One's from nineteen seventy six, one's from two thousand fourteen. I recommend seeing the 1976 one. It kind of gave birth to the whole teen slasher genre. Supposedly, it's the very first mass killer oh. uh, film. So it's the first time they had a, a mass killer on Whoa. film like that. Well, and it shows because yeah. it's a pretty silly movie. Yeah, that trombone stuff. But apparently that was a true story. 
All right. Apparently, the trombone murder was a true story, but the movie itself is very silly. Like I've I've watched it a couple times, and there are literally parts where it's like, it almost feels like they've completely strayed from it being a horror movie for a good fifteen to twenty minutes. Yeah, and it's just kind of like a comedy about the cops being like, "Oh darn it, Rufus! I told you you were supposed to circle yeah. around the farm." And I actually really like the cops in this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, but they're definitely not as bumbling as the cops in the 1976 movie. But they 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 say the same lines as oh, the really? cops from the 70s. Yeah, and, and they do them in subsequent scenes. So yeah. um, there's a scene where like the movie is playing, and you um, or uh, well, I'll I'll wait till we get to the, the cop yeah. showing up, the marshal. One thing up. you should also realize is I say watch both movies. Also realize that pretty much any time anybody is in a room with a TV. If it's not playing the local news, it's playing the original town, The Dreaded Sundown, on that TV. Yeah, in the film. Because it's like the town is obsessed with it. Because where this movie starts, it's Halloween night. Everybody's gathered at the drive-in to watch The Town, The Dreaded Sundown. And uh, these two kids, Jamie and Corey, they take off early from the movie in Corey's bad muscle car. I wish I knew what kind of car that was. Mm -hmm. I should have looked it up, but it's beautiful. And they go up to a lover's lane... And Corey's a trying to get fresh with Jamie, and mm-hmm. Jamie spots a white potato sack face out in the woods. And she's like, who the heck is that? Uh, and Corey's like, yeah, it's probably just a peeping Tom. Don't worry about it. Guess what's not just a peeping Tom? That potato sack face. The guy with the potato sack on his face peeping on them in the woods. And they He did, smashes the window. Yeah. Oh, they did something really cool with that when he's watching them. It's like he's there. And then he just, it's almost like he disappears. Like, right. they imply he steps back into the shadows. Yeah. But the way it looks, it almost looks like he just disappears. Like he just vanishes. Yeah, and um, uh, and not so much that he vanishes, but it gets dark where he was. That's, yeah. that's sort of the implication that he stepped back. <clears throat> I suspect it's uh, one of my favorite horror techniques yeah. um, used in uh, the original Halloween. Oh, yeah. Um, but in reverse, where they just use a dimmer. Oh. So they probably in this case they were lighting him and then they turned the, they slowly dimmed the light down and uh, all of a sudden it was just black there. Yeah. Um, in Halloween they did it in reverse and the idea is Jamie Lee Curtis is backing up into a corner and um, it's dark in the house and the yeah. concept is your eyes are supposed to adjust to the dark. So as your eyes adjust you slowly start to see that Michael Myers is standing there. Yeah. So, um, I'm a big fan of dimmer usage in horror films well and it works well yeah. because it helps add to the scary yeah. so potato sack face i guess we should just call him the phantom <clears throat> smashes yeah. through the window he's got mm-hmm. a gun out and he's like cool you know telling Corey, you get out of the car i'm gonna shoot her in the face Corey gets out long story short he uh <laughs> he directs Corey to take his pants down he orders jamie to turn around and not look at what he's about to do Puts Corey face down on the ground and stabs him to death in his back. And Jamie turns and glances. And he's like, oh, you I told you not to turn around. told you not to turn around. So he's got to chase Jamie through the woods. And she's running through the woods and a tripping and a falling and getting hurt. And he's chasing her, you know, kind of letting her get away. He catches her. Yeah, but uh, real quick on that, um, that death scene. Uh, they use this sort of motif a lot in the movie where you see silhouettes. Yeah. They use shadows and silhouettes a lot. And so... Um, she's facing sort of like a, a dirt hill wall yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, it almost looks like a canyon wall, but and, there's no way they were in a canyon. Yeah, and they're at the back of the car, and the brake lights are on. Right. and uh, Or the lights are on, and so the... Um, 
And so she gets the silhouette yeah. of seeing him getting stabbed. It's gnarly. Yeah. And there was also a funny little thing where it <clears throat> zooms in on the taillight of the car. Yeah. And as it does so, you hear a noise like a film projector running. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of what I think are pretty cool moments in the movie mm-hmm. where it's like you're watching this movie, but you're also watching the old movie. And occasionally you're seeing like a reenactment of the old movie being filmed mm-hmm. and just like it's it really just weaves its way through time it's kind of meta yeah dude it's very meta but it's done in, in what i think is a pretty cool way mm-hmm. so jamie's getting away she's running she's running the phantom catches her in the woods he's got her down on her back in the woods yeah and he says uh this is for mary what is it this is for mary tell them to remember something yeah. like that yep this is for Mary. Make them remember. Yeah. And he lets her go. And when she goes running straight out of the mm-hmm. woods, she's right back at the drive-in theater. Everybody's watching the scary movie on the screen. She pops out from under the screen, and everybody's like, whoa, what happened? Yeah. The town's in a frenzy. The Phantom is back. Yep. Holy moly. So then what happens? We got uh, She wakes up in the hospital, and there's there's or she's awake in the hospital, but there's all these police there, right? Yeah, asking her questions. Gary Cole's there, and yeah, there's and, uh, a an other. officer there played by Josh from uh, the Blair Witch Project. Uh, oh, is that who that was? Yeah, he plays the the sort of younger of the cops. I, I thought he looked familiar. I just didn't realize that was Josh. Yeah, Josh from Blair Witch. Where are you, Josh? Um, Gary Cole of uh, Office Space and uh, uh, Harvey Birdman. So much stuff. Veep. Uh, tons and tons of great stuff. Brady Bunch movies. Um, he plays one of the cops. I believe he's the sheriff, right? Certainly no, a high ranking. There's another guy that's doing all the talking, and he's just kind of standing in the background. I don't okay. think he's the sheriff, no. Oh, right. No, yeah. The actual sheriff isn't that. Um, he's an uh, older I can guy. never remember his name, and I think he just passed away, too. Yeah, he, he's very he, he was the dad in Gleaming the Cube, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome, America. Um, so then the boyfriend has his funeral. Jamie gets a little bit of therapy because, I mean, she watched her boyfriend get murdered. She barely escaped the murderer himself. It's, well, it so, would help to talk to somebody. So I want to talk about a, another motif that the movie has. Yes, because you noticed this, and I've seen this movie twice now, and I <clears throat> my brain just kind of sometimes doesn't pay attention to these things, but I'm glad you pointed it out. Um, so there's there's some interesting stuff with the lighting going on. We talked about the shadows already in silhouettes. They use the silhouettes again in the, um, in the hospital when they're asking her questions about the murder. Yeah. Uh, they, they show the sheriff talk, but they also show from the other side of the curtain Yeah. and then they make a point of showing that. So they, so you see his shadow, his silhouette from the other side. And then when they show him talking, they make a point of making sure that shadows on the curtain there to kind yeah. of like connect it all for you. Um, but because you know what it's like standing in front of a movie projector. It is kind of like standing in front of a movie projector. Um, and the the color, the lighting in the room. It's like I, I believe it's morning. I believe they she's traumatized at night, and yeah. they bring her in. They come in to question her at, in the morning, and it's just bathed in orange sunrise. Right. Um, and this is something you're gonna see. In almost every non stop every scene she's in, there's something orange pretty much in, yeah. in the scene. It's almost always <clears throat> sun up or sun down if she's on camera. There's orange, there's gold, there's red, and those are sort of the three colors that I think are associated with um, sundown. Sure, um, I believe 
Corey's car was either orange or red or I feel red like orange. It was bright red with a pretty yeah. gnarly black racing stripe. Yeah, and the, and of course the light was red. Yeah, that we saw, and I think that's important. We'll get to that at the end of the the thing. Yeah, um, and then of course the light that she gets is orange. And um, when you are in the police station, the file folders they use are orange. Yeah. Um, when she goes, uh, some of the chairs when she goes to some of the different places like yeah. the other jail where they're holding records um chairs are those orange plastic 70s chairs yeah um the when the marshal comes in he's wearing an orange tie marshal lone wolf marshal lone wolf (laughs) Uh, he's wearing an orange tie but uh, again that the color is so um they uh, to me they're kind of hitting the nail on the head a little too much yeah but but if you didn't notice it that's that's okay then that means it it works for some people and other people are going to notice it um, but kind of getting back to the um, the funeral scene yeah. that you just were talking about. Um, she shows up at the funeral and it's like crazy orange. Yeah, the sun is almost just flying straight through the window. Like it, <clears throat> it's pretty much on the horizon, blasting through the window. Yep, there's everything's all, orange. Shadows are all. It's, it's almost like it's always either sunrise or sunset the entire film. Yeah. And shadows are always on the wall, kind of going back to that silhouette motif and, and the shadows. Yeah. They're always, always on the wall. Even when she's walking in her own home, yeah. you see shadows on the wall. Because um, the shadow's kind of like a phantom. I, and I think that's intentional. So she goes in and she sees the dad of Corey. And the mom, of course. Well, she sees the dad go into a, an offshoot room. Okay. And so she goes in to talk to him and says, hey, I wanted you to know that he was brave. And the mom sees her and flips out. But that room is also very orange. Yeah. And very dark. Dark orange. Well, yeah, it was just, it's not lit. <sighs> like, it's bright. It's it's a dark room. Yeah. Um, and she's, fl- the mom flips out and calls she her slut. She starts calling Jamie <clears throat> a slut yeah. for crying out loud. It's pretty terrible. Mm. I don't, I mean, uh, God forbid any of us ever have to be a parent who lives through their son being murdered by a phantom Mm -hmm. from 66 years ago. But to attack the girl that narrowly escaped with her own life and call her a slut is a little rude. Right. I'll say it. Then we kind of leap forward to November 26th. 2013 hmm. and you made the comment i feel like we're watching a different movie right now yeah because all it, of a sudden there's this really heavy rock song going yeah and this hot blonde is walking through the little uh airport or bus terminal something like that yeah to meet her big marine boyfriend who's returning home from uh you know from military duty what era are her clothes probably 70s They're 70s and what crazy color are are her clothes I would say bright orange. They are bright orange. Um, she she orange. has sort of a blondish, goldenish kind of oh, she's fur or feathery blonde. coat. Yeah, no, oh, no, her, her coat hair too, on. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then and then her. I don't know if she's wearing a jumpsuit or what she was wearing, but both her top and her her bottoms were just orange, she like, like popsicle a, orange, like a walking sundown. Yeah, and this is the town that dreaded that sundown. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, is she excited to see mm. her boyfriend, and mm-hmm. they start boning hard they do they're in a cheap hotel room and they are going at it and they they change positions even i mean i wasn't looking all that closely at the screen but it looks like they were really getting down with each other they show their full bodies that's for sure yeah it's uh it's uh don't let the kids watch is what i'm saying there is some hardcore r-rated boning going on here i mean you don't see anything x-rated or anything no 
But, uh, but, it's, but it's They make intense. you believe it. They make yeah. you believe it. Yeah, they're going at it. And uh, so, you know, they're enjoying it. Uh, they're in love. He's been away at, uh, you know, active duty uh, military, probably overseas. Mm-hmm. She's missed him like crazy. So then they're laying there in the afterglow, pun intended. Ah. And um, she's like, hey, why don't you go out and get us some snacks? I, so I want some cookies. I need some sugar. Cookies. She needs some sugar. Yeah. Now, this guy's a Marine. <clears throat> this guy's mm-hmm. just back from active duty. I have a feeling he can take care of himself pretty well. But he does make the mistake of going outside the motel room to the out of doors mm. in just his underwear. Yeah. And we see him walking around out there, I'm assuming looking for a snack machine. Cut back to in the room. The girl's in the room, still naked, enjoying herself. She sees something in the window. She goes to look at it, and the phantom is there. Yeah. And he's completely naked at the front window. She's completely naked at the front window. Which and my the wife phantom. Did not buy. No. Well, she was like, who does that? This girl, yeah, she's clearly very free with her body. The Phantom has the Marine's severed head, yep, which he smashes through the window. Yeah, chases, crawls into the window himself, chases the girl around. She jumps from a different window, two stories to the ground, and sustains a compound fracture. A compound fracture. Two movies in a row. Blah. And it's gnarly. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. It's real gnarly. Uh, the, you see very lovely leg, and then bone pops right out of it, yeah. and it's so gross. You were about to say, but I was going to say it's even more brutal in a, in a moment when she gets in the car. Yeah, well, what exactly? Because I was she so runs, busy trying to not look at the leg, I didn't see exactly. She what runs happened. and gets in the car, and she she starts it and mashes her foot down. Ooh, that's right. Uh, and does more damage. <laughs> Um, but she does not get away. She doesn't. The um, Phantom gets in that car with her. He just opens the door. It's like he, she didn't even bother locking it. Yeah, and he uh, he lets his knife do the talking. Yeah, there's the blood all over the inside of that car. It's horrible. It's really, really horrible and gross. Um, True that. What's the... Uh, they they had a, an excellent um, knife into people uh, sound effect oh, in that. It's, boy. it's very graphic, and um, it's... Uh, it definitely evokes a response. Yeah. Um, while you're looking at your notes here, I want to talk about the camera work a little bit. Um, there's something I noticed. I, I think the scope of the film is beautiful. Um, sure. Lots of these really big shots, these very um, kind of uh, panoramic type shots. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the sky and a lot of the town, they really let the town sort of speak for itself in the shots. Yeah. Um, whether it's um, showing this like idyllic um country town right um or showing that the town's completely empty and nobody's in their in their stores working um nobody walking on the streets anymore it looks like a pretty haunted place there's some really great editing effects done in especially early on when the girl is running away from the killer after Corey is killed um she's running away and they do some really cool editing things where you see her running in the eyeball of the guy yeah and you see um she does running and they had the cameras turned on its side yeah and i absolutely loved that yeah I, that was really it made you feel so un like so much unease yeah and they do a lot of that in in this movie yeah like i remember seeing that especially on your much bigger screen than mine uh tonight watching that and feeling like i myself am about to trip and fall in these woods right. and i'm sitting here on a couch you know right yeah that scene was awesome awesome yep um so yeah kudos to these filmmakers and i mean kudos to the guys who made the depraved too uh, but they're two very different, horrifying, gross movies. Um, so, 
it's been over a, a month since uh, since the Halloween murders that Jamie escaped from. Mm-hmm. We just had the murders in the hotel with the Marine and the sex machine. Mm-hmm. Jamie gets a phone call from Corey's phone. Corey, her dead boyfriend, mm-hmm. the first victim of the new Texarkana Phantom. Dun, dun, dun. A phone call from his <clears throat> phone. She tells the cops. The cops go searching the woods. Well, so let's talk about the cops real quick. Um, because we've now, at this point, have met uh, Marshall. Sheriff, uh, Texas Ranger. Texas Ranger. Texas Ranger Morales, played by Anthony Anderson, who insists on being called Lone Wolf. Lone Wolf. Um, so he comes in, and he makes some sort of declarations as far as, like, I want, you know, I want that there's two sheriffs, and I want them both reporting to me. Yeah. You know, pick, pick one representative and have them report to me. And some of the dialogue that he says... Um, I don't know if it's the next scene or it's another scene fairly quickly after that Okay, where there's a TV on and the old movie is being played on there right. and the the character on the movie and the old movie says the exact same dialogue. Oh, nice. That, I did not hear that. Yeah, they, and they do that two or three times in the film. That's funny. Where they they replay and they replay somewhat intentionally um, or always always intentionally but yeah. like, like with the trombone stuff they, right. they sort of mimic the deaths from the first film. That's absolutely correct because so yes, the first film has the lovers lane. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's a hotel murder next. Then we get to the trombone murder, but before we get to the trombone murder, she goes and meets a new boy. That's right. First we meet Lone Wolf Morales, a mm-hmm. Texas Ranger, then Jamie meets a new boy named Nick. And Nick is pretty obsessed with the phantom killings. Yeah, he works in like uh, records for the city of some kind, right? Right. So he's like sitting behind a desk and she comes in and he kind of recognizes her. And he kind of already knows where all the best records are yep. that have to do with the Phantom. Yep. Interestingly enough, Jamie goes through all these records looking for information. And at some point during her search, she gets an email from the Phantom. The Phantom. Yeah. And it's pretty scary. So she goes to the cops, and Lone Wolf Morales is really on her side, which is great, because mm-hmm. the other cops, you know, they're they're good old boy cops. They're like, ah, it's a teenage girl. We know what we're doing. And Lone Wolf Morales is like, yo, this girl escaped this dude. We got to listen to what she's telling us. I want to hear everything she has to say. Yeah. Um, Jamie proceeds, I think in that scene, she tells them about uh, Sewell, Ben Sewell. Yeah. Who it was believed had been the Phantom. Everybody thought it was him. He died recently. And maybe he had his son. A son. She thinks maybe his son is doing this. The cops are like, we went down that same rabbit hole. His son died just a couple years ago. Yeah. Like, we understand, but we, we've already checked. And she's sort of stepping on the toes of, of some of the cops. Some of the cops are fine with it. Some of them seem irritated by her. This is very true. Um, we also learn uh, when Nick comes by Jamie's place, Jamie's grandma... Gives him the old, mm-hmm. you know, gives him a good old grandma grilling. And she's like, yeah. oh, well, what are you, you know, where's your family, this and that. And he explains his family moved out of town and he, he stayed the- here to keep this job so he could save up money for college. Turns out, if I'm not mistaken, isn't his dad dead and his mom is in jail or vice versa? There's something basically know. one of his parents is dead. The other one is institutionalized in some fashion. And it's like, boy, oh, boy, if that ain't right. a guy who might be over the edge right could be nick and he's a little like a little bit of a social recluse right he and he's cla- got beautiful lips he had classes with uh 
our, our girl. Right, but he kind of... But she had no idea who she who he was. Right, and that's a little awkward. Yeah. And he is obsessed yep. with the Phantom. He is obsessed with the Phantom. Lone Wolf Morales. Texas Ranger Lone Wolf Morales finally watches the original Town the Dreaded Sundown from 1976. Meanwhile, Jamie and Nick, they go to a vigil at the high school. It's a candlelight vigil for Corey, for the Marine and the sex machine. What scene did we see the uh, Lone Wolf watching? The trombone scene? The trombone scene. The trombone scene. We'll yep. explain that in a moment. So, the kids are at the vigil. Everybody's gathered around. There's a couple Marines in full dress there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, paying respect to their fallen friend. And as Jamie and Nick walk up to the vigil, a young man with long blonde hair passes by, heading away. And then all of a sudden, a guy dressed as the Phantom shows up at the vigil. My dear friend Wes is having a coughing fit in the next room, but he's handling it well because that's what he does. The Phantom shows up at the vigil. Everybody freaks out. One of the Marines pops two caps in him, if I'm not mistaken, holds his hands out, and he says, arrest me. I don't care. He killed my friend. I killed him. Arrest me. He's like, it's done. It's done. It's not done. Yeah. So, so we, uh, yeah, there's there is one character that we haven't really talked too much about, and that's the preacher. The preacher. And he is. You see him right away in the first scene at the um, at the drive-in. Yeah. And he's trying to get the heathens to quit watching their thing and right. make sure they come to the church service. They're handing out flyers and stuff. Um, Stop and we watching see, this movie. Yeah. I'm the bad. I'm the guy from the Lost Boys. Um, we see him a few times. Um, sort of talking about how the town is sort of like lost. Yeah, it's lost his way. Um, so that's that's kind of important because um, he is at some type of banquet. Yeah, it looks like it's just some kind of like supper club or something, yeah. right? Yeah, and there's a band there. Yeah, there's a jazz band kind of playing some old mm. swing stuff. Yep. And a lady who the actress, I recognize her, but I can't figure out where the heck I know her from. Mm-hmm. But... um. She comes up to the band and she's like, "Yo, give me the microphone first. I got the mayor. She's the mayor. She's the mayor of the Texas oh, side. Oh, of the Texas side of town. Yeah, yeah that's another thing you got to take into consideration. One town, two states, two mayors, two sheriffs, two police forces. One big problem with the Phantom. Yeah. She's like, check it out, fools. Give me that mic. I'm gonna bust it. So she's like, yo. She sounds less like L. Cool Jam, more like an old white woman. Just she's like. Her. Guess what? Mama said knock the Phantom out because uh, they just shot him. He showed up at that candlelight vigil, and a good old Marine shot him with a handgun. The Phantom's dead. And no one else was hurt. Nobody else was hurt. Let's get some celebratory music. Let's dance, you guys. Let's dance. And she's like, I'm going to count you off. And she's like, one, two, three, four. Well, she does a one, two, one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. And then um, they start playing a completely different tempo. And yeah. if J.K. Simmons were there, he would have whipped a chair at all their heads. But uh, two guys in the band right, a young, make eyes at each other. They're like, oh, this lady. Right. Here she goes again telling us what to play. Yeah. Well, they get uh, into a Mazda Miata. Yep. And they drive away from the supper club that night. But who who spots them before they leave? Who's sitting in a car waiting for them to leave? The preacher from the Lost no. Boys. No. No, it's Gary Cole. Oh, Officer Deputy Gary Extraordinaire. Cole. Deputy yep. Gary Cole. And he's like, you boys get straight home. Straight Ominously, home. he looks at him and says, you boys get straight home. You boys get straight home in your Mazda Miata. Yeah. 
So they got their instruments. They're driving in the Miata. Miatas, most of them are convertible. Mm-hmm. Not good when you live in a town with a phantom murderer. They drive not straight home. They mm-hmm. go to some sort of sign graveyard. Graveyard. There's all these big, what probably used to be light up signs around. They talk about how they used to go there, sneak off, and smoke. Smoke probably cigarettes and yeah. maybe wacky tobacco. Yeah, the I mean, lettuce. they're in band. They probably smoke jazz cigarettes, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So they, you know, stop the car, turn the lights off. Don't didn't you say they see a sign that has the preacher's face really yeah, big so, on it? Yeah. So there's a so there's all these signs, and there's one that's kind of fallen over, and it's a big. It's like it used to be a billboard, and it's the preacher. Yeah. And his thing, and there's an arrow pointing right at the right preacher at his head. And then didn't you also say you saw something that said yes. 1946? So then on the other side, so that's directly in front of them. Um, over, so there's the white kid is in the driver's seat and the black kid's in the passenger seat and over the black kid's shoulder is a a sign, like an old, kind of like a reader board sign, I guess, where you put the numbers and the letters up yourself. Um, and it just says 1946. Oh my gosh. Which is the year that the actual murders took place. Yes. So these dudes, they're chilling. They got their they got their instruments put away and they're chilling in their Mazda Miata and they didn't go straight home. Turns out these guys are thinking about falling in love, or at least getting funky. Yeah, it was an extremely awkward. It was literally uh, like they're just chilling, and the one guy's like, "So you do want? Do you want to like suck on mine first or something?" It was really weird. It was almost like they hadn't really ever discussed it before, right? And they were like, "We both know that we're gay, but we've never talked about it before. So let's just explore it now." Look, that's their journey. <clears throat> And I wish it had ended better for him. Yeah. Because what happens is the Phantom pops up right away. The One of them jumps out and runs off on foot. The other one tries to back out in the car. Phantom just runs up next to the car and whacks him in the head with something hard. The car goes forward. The car goes forward, yeah. crashes. <clears throat> Phantom continues to chase the other kid, catches him in the in the signage boneyard and whacks him too. cracks him over the so face. That kid, when he's running, I... I'm not 100% sure, so if you go back and watch this movie again, um, when he's running, I think one of the signs says dead. Oh, yeah. Or maybe like dead end or something like that. Yeah. I remember at one point there's a, I a saw dead the end e- sign. I definitely saw the E-A-D. Oh, no, no, no. It was going okay. down. Oh, I remember <clears throat> why I saw the dead end sign. Yeah. Yeah, so um, keep an eye out for that. Let me know if that's, yeah. if that's the case. Yeah, so uh, both boys have been knocked out by the Phantom. One of them wakes up, the kid who had been driving the car, and he's now tied around some kind of signpost up on some kind of pedestal. Yeah, The Phantom is behind him attaching a big Bowie knife because the town hero of this place is Jim Bowie. There's a big statue of him yep. holding a rifle and a big, you know, his big Jim Bowie knife. Somebody's like, we should take that statue down. I can't remember what that was about, but... Yeah, well, it's it's one of the old timers. He's saying like, "Well, why don't we just take the statue down?" Because he's holding the knife. You know, yeah. it's sort of like, uh, "Oh, why don't we cover up the guns in ET with walkie-talkies?" Like, does that really solve the problem? No. Sure. You know, you're rearranging the furniture on the Titanic. Sure. Don't get me started on ET. I shan't. But I knew you'd get it right away. So, uh, the one kid wakes up. He's tied to the post. The Phantom's behind him, attaching a Bowie knife to the front of his trombone slide. Yeah. And then the other kid comes crawling out. His face is just smashed all the hell and as he's crawling you can see on the lawn written in pieces of signs is the word phantom yep then much like in the first movie the phantom takes the bowie knife oh he kills the he kills the kid down on the ground first does he was he shoot him he shoots him in the head shoots him in the head from afar then he proceeds to use the slider on the trombone 
to stab the other kid in the back a lot of times. Yeah. As if he's playing the trombone, but he's playing it with a pillowcase over his head. Yeah, so, it doesn't you know, go well. Not getting, a, not getting any really sweet notes out of that thing. And the stabbing noises are so gross yep. yet again. Yep. And as he's doing that, they cut to a mm-hmm. uh, an aerial shot of that. And on the ground over there, it says legacy. Yep. <clears throat> and that's pretty effed up. So there we go. So now there's been three copycat murders by this darn phantom. Yep. Let's see. What's next? Uh, we got that. A phantom shows him. We did talk about that kid. his notes. Mazda Miata. Straight homeboys, Phantom and Legacy, booyah. All right, now. So then they realized that they didn't get the guy. They didn't get the guy, because the guy that was shot that same night certainly wasn't the one in the boneyard killing those poor kids. They're like, well, we got to look at video footage to check the timing, but we think this happened after. Yeah, it's sad. Jamie tells Nick the story of the first time she ever heard about the Phantom. Mm -hmm. And this is important in her life. She talks about she was eight years old at a slumber party with a bunch of girls. One of them was telling the story of the Phantom. At that moment, the the one girl's older brother comes in with a Phantom pillowcase over his head and scares the hell out of the girls. Jamie's freaking out, crying. She can't calm down. She calls her parents to mm-hmm. come pick her up. And on the car ride home, they get into a fatal crash. Jamie's the only survivor. So in a way, her fear of the Phantom as far as she's concerned, killed her parents that night. Sure. And she blames herself, her hot, hot self. Yeah. (sighs) Nick tries to kiss Jamie. This is where the dead end sign comes in. Mm. They're sitting in the front seat of a car, and Nick's got his visor down Mm -hmm. in front of a dead end sign. So all you see is the word end. Yeah. And Nick tries to kiss Jamie, and she's like, He reaches a dead end. Not so fast, pretty lips. He reaches a dead end. Maybe it's the end of their friendship. She makes him walk home. Yeah, that's not cool. In the town that dreaded sundown. Guess what time it is? Sundown. Sundown. She makes him walk home for being an ungentlemanly. Ah, boy. Then we jump to Christmas Eve. So now we're talking Mm. roughly two months after poor Corey was killed. Yes. The FBI has traced the Phantom's email. The one he sent to Jamie. Mm-hmm. FBI traces his email to the preacher. The preacher, played by the guy from the Lost Boys, yeah. Edward Herman, <clears throat> something like that. No, Edward Herman. Ed, I don't know. Something. I'll look it up for you. I can't remember. I'll look it up for you. you look it up. They trace it to the preacher. So uh, Lone Wolf Morales and uh, Deputy Gary Cole, they go in to talk to the preacher. They're like, "Yo, dude." The FBI found this out. What are you thinking? And he's like, hey, he doesn't cop to it right away, but he's like, mm. this town's lost. You know, we gather every year to watch that murderer's movie, but I'm having a harder time bringing my people into church. I think these people want to get, you know, found all over again. People have been coming to my church ever since these murderers have been going on, blah, blah, blah. And then he says something like, uh, I need to call my uh, my personal assistant and my lawyer. So basically he's about to say, you know, yeah, I sent that email I need to uh, get myself out of trouble here. His name was Edward Herman. It was Edward Herman. He died December yeah. 31st, 2014. Uh, that, so that was just uh, just last year? Oh, boy. Nick is back in Jamie's good graces. He goes by for Christmas Eve to ask her for a walk and talk. They go walking off. Walking. They discuss Charles Pierce Jr., Charles Pierce. That's got real quiet all of a sudden. Oh, I was building the yeah. moment. 
Charles Pierce directed mm-hmm. The Town That Dreaded Sundown in 1976. Yep. They find out his son still lives in Texarkana. And maybe they need to go talk to him. Also, Nick gives Jamie a nice Christmas necklace. Yep. And it's just mm-hmm. very sweet. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. That's the end of that note. So, so Charles Pierce Jr., yeah. Do they, they go... This is Christmas, right? Yeah, Christmas Eve. So we have... They don't see him on Christmas Eve, right? They see him after Christmas, right? Yeah, yeah. They go yeah, by. Yeah, so we have the bar later. scene now, right? Right. The bar. The bar scene. Um, because Morales and uh, the dad from Gleaming the Cube mm-hmm. are talking about what's the pattern of the murders? Lover's Lane, Hotel, Trombone and Knife. What's next? And the one guy's like, a farmhouse. And he's like, it's Texarkana. Every house is a farmhouse. Right. Cut to good old Deputy Gary Cole. It's his night off. He's having a beer in a bar, mm-hmm. just like a hardworking man is, is is allowed to do. Pan down the bar. I forget her name. Yeah, I don't remember. But I'm guessing that. she's a prostitute, or certainly some sort of. I, I got the feeling that they'd known each other for a long time. See, I thought they'd known each other for a long time because she's a prostitute and she'd been giving him freebies to stay out of trouble. Oh, yeah, maybe. But maybe not. Yeah. But I remember the first time I watched the movie, I felt like there was something in the dialogue that was like, you know, if I get my freebie, I'll make sure nobody hassles you. And we see someone in the background paying attention to this conversation. We do? That they're having. Is oh, the, yeah. Uh, preacher? Nope. Is it we've Nick? Seen, we've seen him one other time. We see him in the town hall scene fidgeting in his seat. Fidgeting in his seat in the town hall scene. Yeah, and you just referenced him in your notes. Oh, Charles Pierce Jr. Yep, because we don't know that. That's we don't know who it is, but he is there. Right, the man that they're going to go talk to is there. We've seen him twice, and he's very fidgety, and um, he's clearly paying attention to everything. Deputy Gary Cole and uh, and um, the barfly Eileen. What's her name? Eileen? Sure. No, I don't know. That's my grandmother's name. I'm sorry. I feel like it's maybe Maureen. How about how about I look? Either way, on here. Cut and, uh, to Gary Cole, chilling in his recliner now, enjoying a beer and something else that starts with the letter B. Yeah, yeah, he really is. And it ain't Ardell. Ardell. I was close. He's enjoying something. Some oral. He's enjoying some fixation. Oral from Ardell. Oh boy, we're gonna get letters for this. Uh, At least it is explicit. So he's chilling, having, you know, enjoying enjoying himself mm-hmm. in his house. I don't think they've established exactly what kind of house it is. I'm not sure if it's his house or her house. It's somebody's house. We know that. And all yeah. of a sudden, the camera zooms in so tight on his face, and then his left eye just explodes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And he's been shot. And gross. It's cool it's and gross. It's so gross, and it's so close up. It's like, how the heck did they do that? But it's it's nightmarishly well done. Yeah. Ardell is like, what the heck was that? She gets up, turns, who's out the window? It's uh, it's our potato sack face. Potato sack face phantom oh. with a gun. He smashes through the window and starts chasing her. She goes out of the house. Turns out they sure are in a farmhouse, and yeah. there is, like, nothing around. She goes running into the field of tall grass. All of it is what color? Oh, uh, it's orange brown pretty much orange yeah. it looks like a sundown itself but yeah. it's night now mm-hmm. nice moon making everything look pretty she's crawling through the grass the phantom goes tromping into the grass after her some really cool aerial shots on this extremely cool although i really have to wonder how he could have had that hard of a time seeing her 
cutting a big path as she crawls through the grass. But yeah. whatever, it added to the suspense. She bumps into the scarecrow. And she screams. Screams. Booyah, she's found. The uh, the phantom falls upon her and probably stabs her a bunch of times. Yeah. Kills her. Mm-hmm. It's gross. It yeah. sounds nasty. Then they do this really cool shot. It's morning. Mm-hmm. And there's an old couple coming out of a nearby house. Yep. And the old man in the couple looks over. And I'm not even sure if they show what he's seeing. I think they just make it pretty clear that he's looking across the way. At the scarecrow. And that he can see. Do they show the scarecrow, though? Well, they, they show her on the scarecrow. Oh, they do? Thing. Okay. Yeah. I must have been writing Yeah, notes. so she's she's tied up there. Yeah. And she's got the knife still in her going through Whoa, her into the, into the wood. So this guy at his farmhouse sees way down yonder to the scarecrow. And this poor girl, dead, Ardell, mm-hmm. on the scarecrow. And then they do this really awesome moment where they pan by the window of the old couple's farmhouse. And oh, all of a it. sudden, a guy steps into frame with a slate. And he's slating for a camera that's off in another direction. And he's like, take two or whatever. Yeah, and they pan over. And there's the film crew from 1976 making the yep. movie. And I think what they're implying there is that that is the actual original farmhouse. Yeah. Certainly from the movie, maybe even from the original murder. Yeah. And it's just this wild, weird little dream moment of like, you were in two thir- 2013, now you're in 1976, and you're right on this same piece of property where the murder actually happened in 46. It's a fun little fun little ride. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, Alice in Wonderland a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that director hunched over in his chair looking intently... That's got to be Charlie Pierce, am I right? Mm-hmm. Charlie Pierce Sr. Jamie and Nick go to visit Charlie Pierce Jr. Yep. And he's telling them the story about he's his dad. Them. He's, he's just telling them about his dad. Right. Boy, where are we here? All right. So they meet Charlie <clears throat> Pierce Jr. He's clearly drunk or possibly he's been avoiding drinking all day and he's got a bit of the tremors and he's about to get his drink on for the night. Yeah. But he's not, uh, he's not the most calm and collected man. Yeah. He's got a house full of paraphernalia from the town that dreaded sundown. He's got the original mask. The original pillowcase mask, posters upon posters, t-shirts everywhere. Film canisters. Film canisters. I mean, it's, it's a movie maker's dream, but it's all just based on this one movie. And he tells the story of uh, Hank McCready. Mm-hmm. Now, well, he says, I, you want to know who the killer is. And yeah. Like, of course we want to know who the killer is. Yeah. Now, I think in the original town, The Dreaded Sundown, have you seen it? I have not seen the original. I've, I've seen it twice, at least. And I think the original ends with the Phantom getting his foot trapped on a railroad track, uh. which plays into this story. But I also think maybe it doesn't end there. But what that's about is Hank McCready was a dead body found on a railroad track, having been chopped up pretty thoroughly by a train. And so everybody said, oh, that was probably the Phantom. Well, no, some believed that maybe he was the Phantom and that this train got him. But then at the same time, Ben Sewell, who had been mentioned earlier, was being arrested mm-hmm. for being the Phantom. This goes back to the two different towns. So right. two different sides of That's towns. So one sheriff's department thought that the Phantom got trapped on the, the train tracks and got cut up. Yeah. And the other town thought they it was this Ben Sewell guy. And so right. one, you know. And they, One got believed more than the other, basically. Right. Ooh, my tummer's is growling. <clears throat> so, Charlie Pierce is talking about McCready's widow, who was pregnant with McCready's baby. She was like, no way. 
My husband wasn't the Phantom. You do an autopsy on his corpse. He wasn't the Phantom, and I'm willing to bet he wasn't even killed by that train. Now, somehow in 1946, they were able to determine the difference between getting sliced apart by train wheels and getting stabbed a bunch of times on I mean, they seem like they'd be pretty different. You would think, but I'd be very surprised that they found him. Anyway, maybe it's a true story. I don't know. The autopsy reveals McCready was indeed stabbed to death and left for dead on the train tracks. And Pierce is saying that the Phantom killed him, stabbed him to death, left him on the train tracks, then jumped on the very train and took off for California, mm-hmm. never to be heard from again. Then he talks about McCready's son is born without a, without a father. His mom's going on and on about how this town, you know, killed killed your dad. And, you know, they haven't honored his memory, this and that. And then maybe McCready's son has a son of his own. Mm -hmm. And now he's got, that little boy's got grandma and dad talking about how grandpa was killed by this phantom. And the town won't even acknowledge it. Right. And Jamie and Nick think that. Sounds pretty plausible. Well, Jamie does. Mm. I think Nick isn't exactly sold on Pierce. I think he thinks he's a little too obsessed. Yeah, they go back out. They leave the house. And he's like, he lives on a houseboat. He lives on a houseboat in a field. Right. And Nick, who himself is <coughs> obsessed, also thinks that Pierce is too obsessed. And I think they're both too obsessed, frankly. Mm. Boy, oh boy. That night, Jamie's grandma is like, yo, I just found your stack of college acceptance letters from mm-hmm. California. Why didn't you tell me you've been getting these? Yeah. You've been investigating this case too much. You're not going to let this become your life. We're going tonight. We're driving to your uncle's in California. We are leaving this damn town. Jamie's like, whatever, I guess, dude. You're my grandma. Got to listen to you. Much like maybe McCready mm-hmm. third listened mm-hmm. to his grandma. Mm-hmm. Nick comes by to say goodbye to Jamie. They kiss a little. They shag a lot. Oh, yeah, they definitely do it. They're lying in bed together. Jamie has Jamie wakes up and sees Corey's dead body in bed next to her, and he's covered in blood. Yeah, and he gets up and walks and away. His eyes are all crazy, and he gets up and walks away. And as she sits up to watch him walk away, her bed is out in the middle of a forest. Yeah, and the trees are out there, and it's really great. It is awesome, but it's just, oh, yeah. I think I would pee myself if I had a dream <laughs> like that. Uh, so Nick wakes up, and he's like, cool, have fun in California. I'm going to walk home in the middle of the night. Yeah. Guess I'll just walk home in the middle of the night in a town with a murderer after doing nothing but investigating this murderer. Now, well, it's interesting because he starts to walk towards the street and he sees the cop. And he sees the cop car and he decides, I don't want to be seen by the cop car. Yeah. Suspicious. Very suspicious. And frankly, I would think the only person confident enough to walk home in a town that dreads sundown is the murderer himself. Mm hmm. So Nick goes walking along through the night. He seems to be enjoying himself just fine. And then... Well, then we get like a weird a weird editing yeah, choice. Yeah, the, the flashing light. The yeah, light. I don't get it. I think it must have something... Hang on. Was he, was he actually experiencing darkness and brightness? No, I don't think he was. I think, having seen it this second time... Because the yeah. first time I saw it, I was like... If I was him walking alone and the lights that I was walking by were just going yeah. out and then coming back on, I would I'd be run. freaking out. Yeah. But I think there was. I think that was to somehow suggest that he's being watched and maybe even recorded. Like so, there's like a flicker of a projector or a, a yeah, camera or something, something like that. Like or it, it, like in a way, it had kind of a slide machine, a slide projector effect. Yeah. Like shh, here's the slides, but he's moving in each one. 
But yeah, it definitely it felt like he wasn't experiencing those blackouts. Yeah, it was weird. Like it was really we strange. were being shown. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It's a tricky technique. But then, ooh, phantom in your face. Yeah, it's pretty safe to assume Nick's just been. Uh, I don't know, decapitated or something. Yeah, phantom's definitely swinging something big. Jamie and Grandma wake up in the middle of the night. Jamie runs down to the cop that's been patrolling outside of her house. She's like, yo, dog, I heard about this dude, McCready. Here's all the information I have on him. I'm going to write a story about it. I'm going to write a story about it when I get to California. But here's the information for you. Give it to the cops. You guys bust this dude. And Officer Foster's just like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm Josh from Blair Witch Project. Mm -hmm. Heather lost the map. So... Jamie and Grandma. It was, Mike. it was Mike. Mike lost the map? Yeah, Mike kicked it into the river. Oh, that's right. Darn it, Mike. Jamie and Grandma are about to leave town, but boy, do they got to stop for some gas and refreshments. Mm-hmm. And they got to do it inside the limits of Texarkana. Yep. Jamie goes in. There's a funny little kid. Uh, Desi was laughing a lot about the uh, fresh bait sign right yeah. behind this kid's head. Yeah, it's another nice. Uh, what is it? Jamie grabs some waters, and all of a sudden, we hear two gunshots. Yep. Jamie runs outside. There's an old man who had been pumping gas. He's laying dead on the ground. This old man who wanted to get rid of the statue. He, well, I well, think he, he was, was being sarcastic. Being sarcastic. But yeah, the, that guy. He's dead. And Grandma's outside of the car for some reason with her throat slashed. Yeah. And Jamie runs to her and she's like, no, my grandma. Boom, sniper bullets. The Phantom is up in a window somewhere sniping at her like Lee Harvey Oswald. She manages to, like, spill Grandma's purse and finds Grandma's handgun. Yeah. And she goes a-running. Phantom comes down from his perch and goes chasing her through the streets. They go into some weird building that I don't even understand. Was it a it was was almost it railroad like station it was, or something? I thought it was, like, a, not a necessary transition. It could have been a bus station. Um, but, she, yeah, she, she squeezes in. Yeah, and, and she seems to know all these nooks and crannies to get through this building. Yeah, you know. She's always finding the ripped open part of the fence in the darkness. It's the last yeah. act of Yeah, of so the last she's, she's on the run, basically running through the middle of town and then out into the woods. She crosses that creek, which there's a scene in the original movie where I think the Phantom gets almost stuck crossing that creek or something. Mm. Um, now I just want to watch the original again. Um, and as she gets out. As she gets creek. up out of the creek, arrow right into the leg, right into the leg, and then she keeps moving. But I think she catches another arrow and like she goes in the shoulder. Yeah, falls so down. She's been shot twice by arrows now. She's fallen down. She's laying on her back. She looks over and the fa- I should probably say that into the microphone. She looks over and the phantom is stalking toward her in the darkness, and she's like, "No, please!" And she's twisting and turning and trying to find the strength to get up. And she looks over the other way. Mm-hmm. And what? And she sees the phantom. Stalking towards her in the darkness from the other way. Yeah. And then it cuts to an overhead shot, and two guys dressed as the phantom are closing in on her bum, out there bum, bum. in this clearing in the woods. Yeah. Two phantoms, ladies and gentlemen. One town, two states, two sheriffs, two police forces. Mm-hmm. Two phantoms. Yeah, and I almost don't want to spoil what happens next, just in case anybody listening has made the mistake of not watching it first. Okay, here's what we say. If you haven't watched it, put this on pause. Go watch it. Go watch it. It's an hour and like 26 minutes or something. It's it's really short. It's a real short watch. Jamie's beautiful. You won't get bored. Yeah, she's from, I I recognize her from Odd Thomas, another uh, fun little film that I liked. That's in the bucket, right? It's in the bucket because you haven't seen it. With uh, Anton Yelchin. 
Um, boy, so, oh boy. So go watch it and then come back and unpause this and finish it. So let's give a moment of silence real quick. We're back. Okay. So you have now watched the town that dreaded sundown, right? Viewsters. Yeah. Um, so the bow and arrow potato sack face gets on top of her. Right. And he puts his head down and starts sniffing her chest. Boy, does he? Yeah. It's really weird. It's weird. And allows her to pull the hood off. Right. And it is Deputy Foster, Josh, Josh, Josh from the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. And I think right then she figures out who he is. Yeah, she, she realizes it's it's the grandson. He must be Hank McCready third. Yeah, and, and he says yeah. And he tells her yes. Yep. And then the other guy has his mask. He pulls his oh mask off. Oh my gosh, who's it going to be? And it's very slow and painful. <sighs> and it it's is... the preacher? It's not the preacher. Is it Lone Wolf Morales, Texas Ranger? It is Lone Wolf Morales. I would have loved that. That would have come out of left field. Is it Gary Cole? It is, Did no, he he's got shot in the face. Explosion? No. Okay, who is it? It is uh, Corey from the first scene. Oh God, Corey, her boyfriend. Yeah. Who got stabbed in the back repeatedly. Yeah, he didn't really get stabbed in the back. Boy. He didn't. <clears throat> and she's like, they found the body. And he's like, I Ooh. found the body. We forgot to point out, while she's on the run, right in this scene, before she gets the mm-hmm. arrow, she runs across the railroad tracks and oh, finds Nick's body. Oh, that's right. And Nick's body has been probably run over by a train, or at least chopped up to make it look like it has. Yeah. And I think they hung around a sign around his uh, neck that says, remember, much yep. like the one that had been hanging on the statue. Yeah, that's right. So gross. So now we know Nick definitely wasn't the Phantom. Yeah. So it's Foster and Corey. Corey. Oh boy. She's like, yeah, I, they found your body. And then the deputy's like, no, I found the body. And then, uh, and he's like, yes, it was some poor homeless kid. So, right. We took a, we took all his teeth out and put in two of mine and sliced his face up so they couldn't recognize him. Yeah. It's nasty. Boy. Oh boy. Then what is Corey about to do when he's suddenly interrupted? Um, he's just going on and on about how he was the golden boy, and oh, how yeah. yeah he's he's got this big monologue where yeah. he's sort of preaching to her about how the town tells you who you are, you don't get to decide, and right? That and that she's kind of like him, and yeah, well, yeah, because she's, she's now like, the girl I'm who like you, right? He's like, you're the girl who escaped the murderer. I'm the golden boy quarterback. Blah blah blah. This place is repressive, and this and that. He gets interrupted by what? Kablam! A bullet to the head. Yep, Corey's His own murder partner, dead for reals this time. Kills him, as far as we know. Yeah, bullet to the head usually does it. I mean, we didn't see, like, brains or anything. We didn't actually see impact. That's all I'm saying. I thought he, I saw. He falls down. I don't remember, but I just remember he gross. falls down. But um, It's alarming and gross. So, yeah. So the uh, the deputy kills him. Yeah, his own murder partner kills him in cold blood. And then he explains to Jamie, oh, I'm going to make it look like you two faked this idiot's death. And you did it. And you killed your own grandma. For popularity, and you killed your own grandma, and then you killed him, and, I don't know, yourself? I forget exactly, because he's basically about to stab her in the back. And that he, he shot her. Oh, no, he's going um, to shoot her. Oh, yeah, and then take he, the credit he, he flips for it because he's over. a cop. He, when he flips her over, the gun pops out. Her gun pops out. Okay. On the ground. Remember, she's carrying her grandmother's yeah. gun. Yeah. Right? So he flips her over and pushes her, and when and when he does that... 
the gun like comes out onto the ground. Okay. And so he stands up to shoot her, and before he does, she rolls over and shoots him. Oh, so he doesn't see her gun. No, he doesn't see Oh, okay. See I thought you were saying it came out like and he saw it. No, no, yeah. no, no. Okay, yeah. So he's about to shoot her and take credit for it as a man of the law. Yeah. She flips around, shoots him. Yeah. And that's that. She's she's free of two phantoms and, now. And she she moves on. Yeah. Well, kind sort of. of, yeah. Uh I I liked Corey's line about like uh you know, she's like, "Why do you have to kill my grandma?" And Corey says like Born in Texarkana, buried in Texarkana. That was pretty. That was yeah. pretty grim and well, terrifying. And the grandma says on the way when they're on their way out of town, she says, "I've never even left Texas." Yeah, which technically can't be true if she lives in a town that straddles the border. Well, she never went over the border. No way. I don't know. <laughs> so both phantoms are dead. Good old Jamie makes her way out to California to go to college and start mm-hmm. writing this story. And then we get a pretty cool shot of her walking on campus alone in the dark. And she goes past this pillar. And she's walking and we see her shadow. Yeah. And then her shadow kind of breaks in half. And there's the shadow of the phantom following Following right behind her on the wall. And it is nice and creepy. Yeah, it's pretty great. And uh, that was the town that dreaded sundown. I like this movie a lot. I I did too. I didn't think it was like the best main movie or the best performances or anything but no but i think it's i enjoyed the movie i think it's a very well balanced horror movie too yeah because man there's a lot of horror movies that are just like gore gore screaming screaming in your face the whole time and then there are some that maybe aren't scary enough and i felt like this one was a really nice balance of jump scares that are relevant Mm -hmm. not just a cat jumping up on a windowsill and um you know a little bit of funny like just enough funny and certainly enough information to make the story make sense. And I, I was really pleased with it. They give a shout out to the Zodiac in there. Uh, mm-hmm. They give a shout out to uh, who else? The Louisiana, what they call him? The Louisiana Axe Man. <sighs> I'm kind of afraid to walk to my car right now. Ah, you'll be all right. We literally just crossed the hour of midnight just watch the while coyotes. recording this. I'm not too worried about the coyotes. I think coyotes got my back, frankly. I actually think that this movie. Um I thought it was really well directed. I, th- I think, yeah. you know, if, if... Who directed this? Do you have a uh, His name is Alfonso Gomez Rejon. That's right. And he did Me, me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Oh, jeez. Um, I have not watched them yet. So, um, and he's got a couple more movies coming. But he also um, he also did some American Horror Story episodes. He did some Glee episodes. Um, I'm not but, the only one who heard that just now, am I? No, I heard it. Um, Your door just, like, sort of... That's Benjamin. Shifted. Oh, right. Benjamin's here. Hi, Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin's the ghost that lives in our apartment in case... Uh, well, we've never talked well, about Wes's him. apartment. I don't share this apartment. Yeah. But I try to be as nice as I can to Benjamin yeah. when I'm here. Benjamin gives us all sorts of uh, interesting ghost uh, ghostly sightings. We've had some doozies. Maybe yeah. we'll talk about all that on the next one yeah. since we're still in October. Um, I, I felt like this movie, if it had been a better story or better performances or whatever, like something like really great like a really great story yeah this director i think would just take off yeah i i feel like um with how simple the story was he made it like unique he yeah. made it he made it really fun to watch so i I, sure. I really liked the movie i thought it was beautiful um and uh i thought it was well crafted I'm gonna, oh, God. oh he's yawning oh. into the microphone that was like a full-on yawn attack i'm gonna go ahead and agree with you 
Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad I watched it a second time. And now I want to watch the original again. I just might fast forward through some of the cornier parts. Do you have but, it, the original? No, but I think the original might still be on Netflix right no, now. I, I, That's I, also I, I not, on? It's not on there. Netflix yeah, removes geez. the horror films right around October. But see, then they also put a bunch of different ones on right around October, yeah, too. Yeah, not the ones you want. Maybe that's true. Um, but, uh, yeah, but what I still have not looked up yet is whether or not this this movie is a true story. Did these copycat murders actually know. happen in 2013? I don't think so. And I almost don't even know if we could find a credible enough source. Cause I, I feel, feel like, like we would have heard about a serial killer. Yeah, you would hope, but then again, it's Texarkana. When do you ever hear news eight, eight out of Texas or nine Canada? people or something? You would have heard it. You would have heard about it. Uh, I mean, I hope so. All right. Oh gosh. Let's draw the next movies from the, the next bucket. Scary movies. The next two October movies are our only other two October movies we're gonna have. Should I go first, or yep, do you want to go? You first? Go, You always go first. Do you? Yep. Now this bucket gets more unruly every week. Well, we, you know, we're. We keep oh, I've seen this one size. too. Okay. This is a very recent movie. It's burped. I apologize. Called oh, okay. like, Starry Eyes. Starry Eyes. And uh, actually, uh, uh, an acquaintance of mine, Maria Olsen, shows up in this movie. Oh, excellent. Um, and this movie is nuts. I'm excited to see. It. I've never seen it. It'll, mm. it'll f you up for life. I'm excited. All right, here we go. Um, Deeper. Put your hand down, way down into the bottom of the bucket. Come on, really dig for it, Wes. None of this, none of this top of the top of the pile all right, stuff. All right, here we go. I love this film. Oh, Suspiria. Oh boy. I think this is a movie that if you are a horror Brother. fan, yeah. if you're a horror fan, you have to see Suspiria. That's if you're, what I've been told all my life. If and you're I a fan of be- avoiding it, beautiful films. Yeah, you have to see Suspiria. Um, wow. There's a lot, a lot we're, we're going to be able to talk about with this film. Um, that's kind of interesting, Starry Eyes, and because Starry Eyes is about an actress, right? Yeah, an actress who is uh, willing to do anything to become famous. So Suspiria is about um, ballet dancers. So it's sort of. Are you kidding me? Similar, you know. It's extremely similar. Art. Two, yeah, artists of the stage. Young certainly. women artists, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm afraid to watch the spirit. Man, we, man. we draw some really interesting things it's like, weird. together. I almost want to reach into the bucket right now and just draw two things to put right back in the bucket, but just see what they are, and let's just see how they might relate real quick. Do it. Where's the bucket? I don't know. Bring the bucket back Because out. then Because then people will have, like, know what's coming. No. That what's we in the bucket. We won't even say I it mean, out loud. I mean, they know Hodorowsky do, Hodorowsky's Dune is in there. Let's not even say it out loud. All right. Well, I'll, hold on. Oh, this is going to be tricky. Experiment. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I don't know why you're acting like the bucket is so far away. We just drew two movies out of it. All right. I put it. I put it up there. Already. So I'm going to read this silently and then show it to you. And well, this then, is the regular bucket. And then you read yours silently and show it to me. And then we won't discuss the specifics, but we will discuss if these two movies are somehow related. Uh, let me show you. This is the October bucket. Right. This is the regular bucket. That's why it was right higher up. The October bucket. Thing. Okay. Okay, so here's the movie I drew, Wes. Is it going to be related to the movie that you randomly uh, draw? No, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty random one. Nope. What is it? Let me see. 
Uh, I think I could if I nah, if I on. had a minute to think. You're stretching here. I, you know why it, th- it wasn't though? Is because this is real. They're going back in. Right. So if it was real, it would have it would have worked. I tell you what though. I mean, there is a there is definitely some similarities going on between those two. Yeah, definitely. Uh, All right. But I'll explain off the air. All right, guys. Thank you for uh, listening. Yeah, for joining us for on this you. very scary ride yeah. into Halloween time. <laughs> um, we do have the Patreon page still up if you want to try that. I yes. know they little had a little hacking situation. Yeah, maybe but... give it some time to yeah. all settle, but I'm willing to bet Patreon is boosting their security. Yeah, they're probably better than ever now. Or um, if you know us personally and want to donate money, uh, you can figure out a way. Yeah, um, support the show. In November, we have AFI Film Fest, and we are hoping to do um, both videos as well as maybe maybe some podcast episodes. Yeah. We'll see. Um, and in the meantime, uh, enjoy watching Starry Eyes, uh, which is available on Netflix, and yes. Suspiria. I will. We will see you. In two weeks. Happy Halloween. Bon cinema.